0: On today's show, a bonus episode with the trade deadline looming. Exactly one week from today is a big day in the NBA, and it could be for the Hawks as well. We'll get into all of what is happening in the rumor mill at this point in time, the ramifications, the draft picks, the players potentially available, and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1403 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowling, coming to you on a Thursday afternoon. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Users can receive 100% instant deposit match, up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you're a first time user with Prize that is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And today's show is going to be sort of a bonus episode with myself talking about the trade deadline. We are one week away. Right now, as I record this on Thursday, midday, it is February 2nd, and the deadline is a week from now, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Thursday, February the 9th. And also, the Hawks have a home game that night, so that's always interesting to uh, sort of monitor that, that dynamic and play. If the Hawks make a deal, they have to turn around and play that night. Uh, everybody's you know, media is going to be on, on the scene, et cetera. So in between now and then, they, of course, have three more road games, and if you missed it, I did my customary game breakdown episode of what became a pretty awesome win for the Hawks on Wednesday evening into Thursday. A 32-point victory on the road in Phoenix, all kinds of history-making there, season highs across the board in a lot of different ways for the Hawks and an awesome performance. But in the middle of the two games that are going to be happening between Wednesday and then a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday, I had a little bit of time on this Thursday midday, kind of my lunch hour, to be honest with you. And uh, here we are diving into some trade scenarios. So probably a shorter episode in a lot of ways because it's it's sort of a deadline bonus wrap up. But there's been enough rumblings, I will say. I will start here and just say that there's not really anything yet that I would describe as a full-fledged rumor around the Hawks. Um, obviously, John Collins has been prominently discussed. We'll talk about him in a second. But uh, we'll start with him. But I'll just go, go through that now. Like Nothing has r- risen to the level of like a panic emergency episode, real-life real, real life rumor at this point for the Hawks, but uh, that could change in the near future, and we're certainly on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute basis diving into the trade, tr- the trade rumors this time of year. So we'll start with John Collins, then we'll kind of go from there with some talk about draft picks, and the other guys that might be available later on in the podcast. But um, in no particular order here, um, some reporting that's happened in the last week or two. Sam Amick of The Athletic, who's been doubted on the Hawks quite a bit. Sam is not a Hawks beat writer by any means, but he has great sources in Atlanta. He's been writing about the front office extensively, et cetera. And on Wednesday, he wrote about the future financial realities that I've been talking about for a long time about the Hawks and how the Kevin Herter trade was, quote, driven by ownership's desire to get below the luxury tax, end quote. I talked about that since July. So there you go. Um. But it's kind of the future facing, you know, long term realities. I talked about that a little bit on the show recently as well, about how the Hawks have a ton of money committed long term. It's not just about this season. They have a lot of long term money, which is part of the reason why Collins remains available as he has been. But Sam noted that the asking price for Collins is down from previous years. That doesn't have to be a first round pick coming back as one example of that. They're also looking to get quality contributors in return for that. uh, For Collins, I should say, I've heard the same. Um, There's been some speculation um, that I've been asked about, about like the Hawks just trying to dump him. That's not what I'm hearing at this point in time. I don't think the Hawks want to dump Collins. I think, certainly, as I've said a million times, it's hard for me to find a deal that makes them better, but I think that uh, they're not going to also just give him away for nothing because even though that's kind of been out there a little bit, I would not think that's going to be the case at this point. Also, though, this is an interesting note from Sam that I'm going to break down more in a second, but it says, the Hawks are more focused on salvaging the current season rather than recouping assets that were sent out to San Antonio in the DeJounte Murray trade, end quote. Now, I don't love that approach. It's also what I've heard, to be honest. So the reporting, I'm not questioning at all. This is not an owner, though, that tends to be long-term focused. Tony Wrestler has certainly earned a reputation for being uh, short-term, maybe a little bit reactionary, um, impulsive. All those words have been thrown out about Tony in recent days and even go back to his tenure, you know, five, six years ago. Uh, This is a 500 team right now though, by any metric after the podcast on Wednesday, I shared this as well, but literally the Hawks could not be more average right now. They are 26, 26. As I record this podcast, they have a dead even point differential for the season. It's literally zero. Even on the road and and home uh, conference versus conference. Like they are the definition of average right now. Now, are they better than that? I kind of think so, but 52 games, not a small sample size. They only have 30 games left in the season, and the Hawks have been not a contending team so far. They've not been lighting the world on fire. And, yes, they went kind of not all in, but they definitely pushed a lot of chips in with the Murray trade. But uh, it's kind of not what I would be doing, at least short-term focusing on, quote, salvaging the current season because what does that actually mean? Uh, does that mean trying to make it out of the play and and make the first round of the playoffs? That's obviously a reasonable goal. But I don't think this is going to be a title team this year or a conference finals team even this year. So we'll see but uh, that's not my focus at this point if i am the hawks i think any deal that i would do generally speaking not even just for collins unless you're going to give up very very little i'd be focused on just beyond not necessarily not about the season at all but beyond the season has to be part of the focus as well planning also just like recouping assets etc anyway i've yet to find a deal that makes the hawks better with by trading collins in season so the only reasonable rationale in my opinion, for trading John or wanting to trade John right now, would be to restool and to, to sorry, retool and kind of restock the cupboard for the future. Not trying to kind of win more now by moving him, because again, I can't find a deal that makes the Hawks better by trading John Collins in the immediate. Long term, certainly you could argue that. Not short term. Um, anyway, moving on from Sam. Kelly Eco of The Athletic, a great Rockets reporter. Kelly has good sources around the league as well. And uh, he actually reported some interest from the Rockets. He said there's nothing concrete from the Rockets, but just merely ideas floated around by the Hawks to Houston. But the interest from the Rockets in John Collins is real, according to Kelly. Um, he was not reporting. I want to stress this. He was not reporting this, but he, he floated out a fake three-team deal that would have had Collins going to Houston, Eric Gordon, and K.J. Martin to Phoenix, and the Hawks getting Jay Crowder, Dario Saric, Landry Shamet, and a pair of first-round picks. The problem with this is that it would have put the Hawks into the luxury tax which that's not going to happen, I don't think. Um, maybe they could find a way to expand that deal where they can put Justin Holliday in it or whatever, get back out of the tax. But to putting that aside, I think that would probably kill the deal because the Hawks don't want to go over the tax. And I think that part of the reason why the Hawks will be getting two first-round picks is that they're taking on some bad money there. So I don't think Collins' market value is two first-round picks at this point. Do I think it probably should be? Probably. But that's not the reality of the situation. I think, though you got you to gotta take uh, with, with this particular fake trade that I've been asked about a million times. Now, part of this is that Sarich is a negative value contract, not a ton, but probably negative value. And Landry Shaman is very negative in terms of his value. So that's two negative contracts plus an expiring Jay Crowder. And yes, turning Collins into three guys who can play, including Crowder and picks would be kind of the best case scenario approach. If you were going to trade John, because it wouldn't crater you now. And would also add to your cupboard in the future. But I'm skeptical of the Hawks will actually get two first-round picks in this deal, and again, the luxury tax probably gets in the way of this one in terms of the uh, the fake trade put out there by Kelly. But I think it's interesting anyway that the Rockets have interest because Houston is very bad, but they also there are rumblings out there from Tilman Fertitta, who's the owner of the Rockets. They don't want to be bad for long, and I think Collins is a really good way to get better quickly. He's a very good, useful player on both ends of the floor. He would pair well with some of their guys on the on the roster already. So uh, a notable uh, entrant into the race potentially for Collins is the Houston Rockets. Sharania also mentioned this week that the Rockets and the Utah Jazz have interest in Collins. Um, But he also reported, this is interesting, that Landry Fields has made it clear to rival executives that the team views Collins as a valued asset and not one the franchise is simply going to dump in any form. Now, I agree with that. Obviously, there could be some posturing. And I'll just say this now as a sort of overarching statement. It is silly season in the NBA right now. Um, I would not just believe anything that is reported. Now, if if it's Woj reporting that a deal is about to happen then that's obviously more concrete. But rumor wise, especially just be careful out there. Is what I'll say. I've always said that around, around this time of year, but motivations are clear on the team sides. Uh, it's interesting to kind of think about who leaks certain things. And I won't go through that whole process now, but uh, just keep that in mind. You know, Leverage is always interesting this time of year and not every rumor is actually going to happen or even get close to happening. From there, uh, Zach Lowe, of ESPN was on a podcast with Ramona Shelburne in the recent past and reported that Utah is reported and that's still alive in his mind with Collins. And also he mentions that he would keep an eye on Phoenix. Now Phoenix has been in and out of the the mix on Collins for a while, but with a new owner coming in place before the deadline, that adds an interesting wrinkle. The Suns have um, a guy with deep pockets who just bought the team. And really the only hesitation for Phoenix, I think to get Collins would be to add to their luxury tax bill. But if the new owner doesn't care about that, that might be interesting, and obviously he would make them quite a bit better. He is better than their options at the 4th. Right now, he would add to their cover, and that would be a pretty interesting sort of partner for the Hawks if that were to get serious. Um, elsewhere, Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report and TNT reported preliminary talks between the Hawks and the New Orleans Pelicans for John Collins. Now, I don't think there's a deal here unless there's an actual curveball in my mind. At one point, I think it might have even been reported, but I definitely heard that the Hawks had talked to the Pelicans about a deal involving collins and trey murphy from new orleans but i don't believe that new orleans is going to do that i think they like trey murphy quite a bit and on the Hawks' side the only way that i could see a deal happening would be to get trey murphy back because yes the pelicans have like Najee marshall and they have um you know Devontae graham's salary who's that's negative salary in a big way um so i think if i'm the hawks unless it's like herb jones which is not going to happen or trey murphy I would just hang the phone up if I'm Atlanta, so I'm not sure there's a deal there. But interesting enough that, we, that we, they're at least talking. And on the New Orleans side, I guess it's probably just more of a asset play because I don't think Collins fits great with Zion, but uh, you know he's still a good player. He's very versatile, and he would certainly help them in the short term. Uh, my friend Jake Fisher had some reporting this year, this week, or at least in the last week or so, about Collins. He reinforced the Pelicans as a potential suitor that has quote registered their interest on Collins at this point, but did say that there has quote yet to be significant traction between the Hawks and the Pelicans no surprise there he mentioned Jackson Hayes um Jackson Hayes is a guy who has some interesting appeal but not really for the Hawks like I think he's more of a five than a four and he's kind of a non-shooter uh having a Kongwu on the roster having Capella on the roster I wouldn't love having Jackson Hayes Marshall is interesting but more of, more as a throw in Devontae Graham is a bad contract at this point in time so uh yeah, I think if you're the Pelicans and you can get the Hawks to take Jackson Hayes, Najee Marshall, and Demonte Grant for John Collins, you definitely want to do that. If you're the Hawks, I would uh, I would implode on the air if the Hawks did that deal, I think, at this point in time. So again, I wouldn't. I don't want really to see a two-team deal. Again, two-team deals are easier, but there could be a three-team, three-team construction. But unless Trey Murphy's on the table, I wouldn't necessarily see that for the Hawks. Um, before I get to the last thing that Jake reported that is pretty nose- noteworthy in my mind, I'm not reporting anything here, but there are two teams that people have thrown out to me around the league as again potential, this is not even a rumor, this is just speculation teams that might make sense for Collins from a basketball standpoint. One is the Pacers and that's actually been out there a little bit in the reporting in maybe like previous weeks and months. They just extended Miles Turner and I think that I've said before I'll say it again now Collins and Turner make a ton of sense together. So if you're in Indiana, you might want to go out and make a big offer for Collins. On the same page, the Hawks don't really have anything um, interested. at least in my mind, anybody on Indiana's roster. I mean, maybe a deal around like Chris Duarte and PJ McConnell might make some sense to get two pieces back for Collins, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Anyway, that's just a more theoretical partnership. I think Collins and Tyrese Halliburton will be, will be an awesome fit together. And um, the other one is a uh, total speculation, but it's Oklahoma City Thunder. I know Sam Vassini, my friend over the, at The Athletic, wrote about this a little bit, just as a hypothetical as well. Uh, Collins basically being a great fit with Chet Holmgren as part of this. The funders are going gonna to try to, I think, try to win a little bit more starting next year. And even now, they're pretty good this year. They're pretty feisty anyway. And adding a still pretty young guy who's cost-controlled, it's not like a cheap contract, but it's not a huge contract either for Collins in the new cap environment. And uh, him and Chet, him and Shea, uh, him and Giddy, him and Jalen Williams, that would all be kind of a, a really good fit in my mind. So, I'm not sure what's going to happen on either one of those. It's just total speculation, but just basketball fit-wise, I'd be calling if I was those teams at this point. And uh, last thing here on the Collins front, for move on to other stuff, Jake reported that the Hawks have, quote, no mandate to trade Collins. And Atlanta appears open to keeping the 25-year-old forward if no value deal materializes before, before the deadline, end quote. Now, this is what should happen. You should never have a mandate to trade a guy. If it's a bad deal, you don't want to do it. But it's notable that that was out there. Now, there are some leverage points here the hawks want to probably get out there that they're not desperate to trade collins so again there's conflicting stuff always this time of year but i think it's at least notable that jake had this reportable and i believe that to be the case where the hawks are willing to not do it and i think if i'm comparing my sort of trade meter on how likely it is i thought it was more likely a few weeks and months ago than it is now now could the hawks still trade collins absolutely no one should be surprised if john is traded in the next week but it's not like at least as of, as of this recording on Thursday, I don't think it's urgent. I don't think it's inevitable. I don't think it's on the finish line, any of those things. So that's always uh, interesting. And I think with this new front office, we know a little bit less than we had previously. So keep that in mind throughout all of this. And honestly, for a new listener, maybe that hasn't heard this podcast a lot before, I would not be trying to trade Collins. I think there's a deal potentially that could happen where the Hawks could get a good value for him and I wouldn't kill them for it. But I think it's not a deal that I see happening, uh, at least as a likely scenario. And honestly, it could change. The process could change three times the next week. The Hawks have been very, very impulsive. And if the Hawks win uh, or lose based on the next three games, that could change the tenor. Obviously, they won last night. The vibes are great. But uh, if they get blown out Friday and Saturday or if they lose on Tuesday or whatever, maybe that changes things. And the Hawks, again, are 500 teams. So it's one of those. Uh, I would not be trying to be urgent and be impulsive here. I would take a step back, think about the future, the big picture, all that stuff. And I would not be eager to move Collins if it was me. I certainly would say. And it feels like there is less urgency to move Collins now than there has been in the past. I agree with that stance, but we'll see how it materializes in the near future. All right. We'll have some more on other guys, Bogdanovich, Justin Holliday, et cetera. But first, it were from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. If you're looking for a DFS option this year, make sure you check out the award-winning app at PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. It is very easy to use. I've been playing there for quite a while. It's really a a breeze to take on and uh, a lot of fun. Along the way, all you have to do is pick two to six players and pick what actually have more or less than a certain number of points, or rebounds, or assists, or steals, or whatever stat you're looking for. And a prize picks one of the 25 times your money on your entry. They offer numbers on any sport you can, that you might enjoy. That includes beyond the NBA, places like college basketball and the NFL, college football, MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, and much more. Just a minute or less, you can do the entire entry at Prize It's that easy and that quick. Plus, it's, it's just you against the numbers. They have safe and fast withdrawal at the and they're operating in more than 30 states, including Georgia. Plus, they're in Canada now as well. Download the Prize app or go to prizepicks.com, sign up, play database sports right now. And for first time users, you get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKED ON. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Check it all out now at Prize Super Bowl is almost here. And this year, the only app you need at the party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're very excited about FanDuel as a new sports betting partner for Lothan Podcast Network. If you're new to the party with FanDuel, that's even better. They have a ton of great features and that make sports betting very easy. And very fun as well. Download FanDuel now. So you bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet with FanDuel. Get to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win on FanDuel. They have all kinds of betting options, of course. That includes money lines and point spreads and totals, player props, Who's going to score the first touchdown, etc. It's going to be an awesome Super Bowl as well. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, the two best teams in the NFL. Identical records, uh, kind of a coin flip game in a lot of ways. So uh, definitely a lot of attention paid to Glendale in the next week and a half until the game actually transpires. And The FanDuel Sportsbook app is also safe, secure, and easy to use. And best of all, you get your, your winnings paid instantly at FanDuel. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your, your no-sweat first bet. On the Super Bowl this year, that is FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Okay, and beyond John Collins, there is other stuff to discuss. Not as much as why the Collins segment is probably going to be the longer segment on this podcast today. But uh, again, my friend Sam Amick of The Athletic reported some interest in Bogdan McDonavich. In fact, he wrote that there is no shortage of interest in Bogdanovich around the league. He mentioned like almost half the teams in the league have called on Bogdanovich. Um, capella by the way in, in that same piece was noted to be unlikely to be traded i would echo that they still uh, value him a lot so does trey and Clint is fantastic but um anyway a reminder though mcdonovich is making 18 million this year and a player option crucially for next year at 18 million dollars now that's a tricky option because bogey has not looked fantastic physically this year with the knee and the knee's been bothering him for a couple of years now but 18 million dollars Sounds like a lot, and I get that. But the new cap environment, $18 million is not what it used to be. That's like, it's more than the mid-level, but not by a lot. So that's uh, an interesting option decision that Bogey will have. If he's healthy, I think he might opt out of that. Just to try to get a multi-year deal at his age. If he's not, if he's banged up later on and just wants to stay in Atlanta, maybe he takes it. We'll see, but it'll be a close decision, I think, at this point in time. And the Hawks have to be at least ready from a luxury tax slash salary cap standpoint for it if Bogey were to opt in. And I think... Just as a reminder, one more time, as I've been saying a lot recently, the Hawks have only nine guys under contract for next season. And if they, with those nine guys, basically, even if you ignore Tyrese Martin and say he's non-guaranteed, if you ignore Vic Krejci and say he's non-guaranteed, the Hawks have nine guys on real contracts for next year, and they're already at the tax line if Bogey opts in. So they have to go over or they have to make a trade, basically, if Bogey were to opt in. Keep that in mind. That's part of the calculus here. Um, But the rumor mill on Bogey has not been at the level of Collins by any means. You know, Collins is a bigger name nationally. He's talked about in all of these like trade slop columns that have been happening for the last weeks and months and even years for John at this point. But Bogey's been available the entire time. There have been rumblings on Bogey all year long to some extent. I think part of that is the emergence of AJ Griffin as a real quality option already at the age of 19. Part of that is the option for next year for Bogey. Part of that is that his knee and his, his burst have slipped. His defense has been pretty bad this year. He's a tougher fit next to trade than he's ever been because of the defense. All that stuff kind of comes into one, and long-term money-wise, Bogey has money on the books in a way that other guys that don't necessarily happen. So I talked to Tyler Jones about this on the show last week, actually, but the Hawks are still their best, in my mind, and on paper and on the stat sheet, when Bogey has it going. It is not a coincidence to me that Bogey was awesome in the second half of both the last two seasons as the Hawks were winning a bunch of games. Two years ago, Bogey was the second best shooter in the world for about three months behind Steph Curry. That's how good he was during that run to the conference finals. He was incredible. But do you know what you're going to get from Bogey? Not necessarily. And I got, I got a question actually from, from a listener named Chris about Bogey, whether he was a kind of – he used the word expendable in the wake of the Griffin emergence – it's not a crazy thought at all from Chris. I think fans probably underrate Bogey right now. That's a that's a statement that I'm not sure about necessarily. But there's been at least then this might be anecdotal. There's been some real rush to like bench Bogey or trade Bogey for whatever you can get or be really like be really negative about Bogey because. AJ, in the mind of fans, is better than Bogey now. And I'm not ready to quite go there. Obviously, AJ has a lot higher upside than Bogey. I think AJ is a better athlete than Bogey at this point in time. But, but not much has been a proven like top 100 player in the league for multiple seasons now. You don't just throw that guy out the window, in my mind. And also, this is part of this as well. I think it's important to keep in mind the Hawks don't have a great deal of shooting on this roster. Like before Bogey came back, I was leading this charge, but just screaming about how the Hawks didn't have enough shooting. Yes, AJ really helps with that. AJ is a great shooter, but he's the only guy they have now. If, if, if you try Bogey and don't get a shooter back, AJ and I guess Trey would be your other shooter, but like they don't have a lot of shooting on this roster, even with both Bogey and Griffin. It gets even worse if you don't have Bogey. So, yes, defensively, would that help if they didn't have Bogey? Yes. But offensively, it certainly would not help. He's a very, very, very good offensive player still, even when he's limited. So, you know, long term, clearly Bogey is less appealing than he was before Griffin because Griffin can do a lot of things that Bogey does. But that's not the whole calculus here. So he should be available for the right price. I think if you're the Hawks and you're trying to trade some money long-term, let's say, for instance, this is just an example, hypothetically. If ownership goes to the front office and says, all right, you have to trade one of your bigger salaries for long-term or at least for next year, I'd like you to do it now. And the options are Collins or Bogey. I would want to try Bogey. I think it's not even close. I think Collins is a lot better player. Than bogey and yes he's got more money for longer but you know i think i'd rather have collins even with the contract pretty clearly uh he's a much more versatile player he's a much better defender uh all that stuff so it's not even about picking on bogey but if, if i have to pick one guy to like make the money driven move which they already made one of those with herder which is unfortunate of course if they want to do that again i would be trying to trade bogey not collins that's just my opinion but there we go um Everybody else is to a lesser extent. We'll kind of just run through the options now of guys who are at least available with a week to go. It's kind of, we're kind of just taking stock at this point. Obviously Collins and Vogue are the most prominent names for the Hawks on the market, but Justin Holliday is the number three guy on that list. Clearly the two big things with Justin are number one, that he's not playing really at all. And number two, he is the only guy that is not playing that makes real money, which is uh, actually useful in this case. So Nate does like Justin. I think he would probably like to have him around as that breaking case of emergency option off the bench, but Nate is not the personnel director. So keep that in mind as well. And Justin makes about $6.3 million this season and he's expiring. So if the Hawks wanted to simply upgrade their team without rocking the boat at all, which is a, a small option, but certainly one that's pretty appealing in my mind, you could trade Holiday with something else, probably a draft pick of some kind to improve that spot. Um, Justin on his own, doesn't have a lot of value, but if you throw in a first round pick, if you throw in a good second round pick, you can get a guy coming back. It's not going to be great probably, but someone who can, who you can play. And the Hawks don't have a lot of depth famously. I've talked about that a lot this year. The Hawks have a real depth issues. And if they traded Justin and turned that into a player that they trust more, that might be pretty useful for Atlanta at really any position other than just like a pure center, any other spot, they could really use somebody else that can play. And the holiday could be that the sort of avenue to get that player. It's been popular, but talking about Cam Reddish. I know Tower and I didn't talk about Cam in particular. People got people asked that question. That's not going to happen. I don't think I know Cam's very available, but I don't think Atlanta is the team that's going to be calling on him, even if he's that kind of that theoretical player that would make sense a guy in that mid salary range, maybe a sort of a distressed asset like a Chris Duarte, somebody like that. That's like not a great player, but on a rookie contract, making a lot of money like Rui Hachimura would have made some sense for the Hawks, even though I don't love Rui, but that, that kind of player, that kind of archetype would be kind of what you're looking for with this trade. And uh, it would not surprise me at all. If Justin was traded and even if he gets uh, beyond the deadline and is not traded, he could be a buyout candidate. I'm not sure he wants to be bought out. And I think that's the number one priority with any buyout candidate is do they want to leave? But if Justin wants to go out somewhere and play. I think he might be a buyout candidate, but we'll see and come back to that later on. Um, the nuclear options are the more like high profile things. I don't think that's going to happen, but just to say it out loud, I don't think Trey or DeJounte is available in trade. I think AJ Griffin is a guy that would only be traded in a superstar deal, which I can't see happening in the next week, so it would cross him off as well. And then Hunter is extremely difficult to trade even if they wanted to, after he signed the extension, like you can't really do that. So those four guys are in the uh, functionally awful list category. Then you have Capella who is so valuable that basically they don't want to move him. Uh, Trey loves him. Uh, he's awesome. He's their best defensive player by a wide margin. Uh, it's not impossible that this front office changes course. And they look to a Kong long-term and they want to go ahead and move Clint. Now that could happen. I don't see it happening. A um, Kong could be moved as well. That's the other thing. Like you have these two guys who are the same position and you're overlapping and you don't have to trade. You're one of them by any means. But um, as I've talked about for a long time, like it doesn't really make a ton of sense to have a top 10 center in Capella and also have a number six, overall pick at center in a on the team going into his fourth year next year. But uh, I don't think it's going to be urgently fixed either. So I'm just saying that out loud. Jalen Johnson is a guy who doesn't make a lot of money, who could be like the equivalent of the first round pick if the Hawks want to kind of sweeten the deal, but I don't think they want to trade him. I think he's shown a lot of stuff this year. Uh, he'd be more of a, uh, more of a glorified throw in. Like he's obviously worth more than that, but I think he would not be like the centerpiece of a trade. He would be like, you know, Justin holiday and Jalen Johnson for a player would be kind of the construction there. Probably if that were to happen or he gets thrown in a Collins deal for money or whatever, uh, but we'll see. I think that's not going to happen either. If I had to guess, and the rest of the roster is just guys on minimum contracts. They could throw in Kaminsky or Vic Krejci to make the money work in a trade, but that's kind of the only way those guys have any value. The only guy on a minimum the Hawks have that I think is probably worth more than the minimum is Aaron Holiday, but even then, he's not going to have like huge trade value. He's just a guy that actually is pretty useful for the Hawks as their 10th man who's playable in most matchups, et cetera. So anyway... As far as the roster is concerned, somebody asked me this question like, would you be surprised if anyone was traded outside of Collins, Bogey and Justin? I think my answer is probably yes, unless it was like a throw-in to make the money work. I don't I, I would certainly be surprised. I wouldn't be like fall out of my chair shocked if they were to trade one of the centers or trade Jalen, but uh I'm not expecting that at all. Once you say that. Last thing, question from LL, who asks, What picks can the Hawks trade if they want to add someone at the deadline? I read that they are a little bit uh, held up because of the Murray trade. So yes, that's that's part of, that's part partly true. As far as first round picks are concerned, to answer the question, the Hawks could trade their own pick either this year, they have their own pick, or 2029, that pick is also available if they want to trade it. Or they could do swaps in the first round in 2024 or 2028, or they could trade the first round pick from the Kings, which is the herder deal pick that's protected. That that pick is free to be traded by the Hawks if they want to trade it. Atlanta could not trade their own outright picks in 2024 or 2028 because of the Stepien rule, which is a long explanation, but they can't trade either one of those picks. They already traded 2025 and 2027, plus a swap in 2026 in the Murray trade. So those deals, those picks are off the table and they have a lot of second round picks as well to use if they want to in in sort of in filler in trades. They're probably gonna have their own second round pick this year. If, If it's not the Hawks second, they're actually gonna have Brooklyn second. So they'll have a pick in the second round there and probably New Orleans, the second round pick as well. As long as the Pelicans make the playoffs, which is not exactly, that's not a total lock anymore, actually, which is kind of weird. But that pick should be in the late 40s or so, maybe early 50s. That's not a hugely valuable pick, but it's a pick. They have future seconds from Oklahoma City in 2024 and 2025. They have most of their own picks in the second round. They have an extra second from the Golden State in 2026 and the Clippers in 2027. So they have some extra picks. They are certainly in the net negative on first round picks because of the Murray trade. But they're not like totally void of options either. So. Overall, the Hawks have some ammunition. If they want to kind of trade Justin Holiday with a pick or two, if they want to throw in a pick somewhere else, they can do that. But uh, I think if I had to choose the most likely first-round pick to be traded, it's probably the Kings pick because if you're the Hawks, you know that pick is not going to be a pick that bites you because that pick is protected enough where the best it could possibly be is like the 11th or 12th pick in the draft. That's a real pick for sure. But those picks to San Antonio are unprotected that the, the, the Hawks sent out. And this year's pick is unprotected. So if you were, let's just say, if you were to trade your, your pick unprotected this year, let's just say as an example, and then trade got hurt and you suddenly missed the play-in, or you were in the play-in but you lost in the first round and you won the lottery and you lose that pick. That is just an absolute disaster. Like you can't have that happen. So one of the ways to kind of guard against that is to trade that King's pick instead, or trade a future pick instead, etc. Anyway, that hopefully that answers the question, but, the Hawks are overall net negative in first round picks because of the Murray deal. That's part of the price of doing that deal. They paid they paid three picks and a swap. Yes, one of those picks was not their own pick. It was the pick from the Reddish trade. They traded first two of their own picks unprotected plus an unprotected swap in three straight years. That's a lot of a, it's a high price to pay for Murray. That happened, and uh, they also got a pick back from the Herder trade, but not a great one. So they're they're definitely negative there. But second round picks, decent shape there, and they have plenty of ammo if they want to go out and make a trade in the next week. All right, that's it for me on this. Special bonus trade deadline edition of the podcast. We will have full coverage. If any rumors pop up, if a trade happens, obviously we'll have emergency podcast in the near future. The Hawks have games on Friday and Saturday in Utah and Denver. So we'll have the full game breakdowns as always on the show after those games are over deep into the night on both those nights. And the Hawks also play again on Tuesday in New Orleans. That's a national TV game. So plenty to discuss in the coming days, but please keep it locked here. Please subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you all next time.